0: Again, would like to express our gratitude for those that are visiting with us today. We're grateful that you've come our way. Pray that our service will be an honor to God and glorify his name. At this time, I'd ask if you'd bow with me as we go to God for a special prayer. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you for the love that you bestowed upon us. And allowing us to be called your children, to know that you've granted us the privilege to lay our petitions before you, to understand that you hear them and that you answer them in accordance with your will. Father, we're very mindful of Colin and Kelly Vincent at this time, and we would pray especially that you'd be upon them, be with Colin as he makes decisions and dealing with attitudes and responses that he may keep you in mind as those decisions are made and be with Kelly as she faces the trials that she's going through, that she may lean upon you for the strength that she needs and be with the family as well, Father. We pray that you be with Shirley and David Nichol and you be with David as he's had the relapse and watch over them and be with Shirley to give her the strength that she needs to be able to put her trust in you and to know your will is being worked out. Help us to ever lean upon you. We pray you continue to be with Walterine and watch over her and be with Hubert as well. We're grateful for their lives, their dedication to your will and to your cause. Watch over them and keep them close to you in all that is done, Father. We're grateful for your love and your mercy. May we do the things that are indeed pleasing in your sight. Help us to ever lean upon you at every day of our lives, to draw strength from you, to serve you, be found pleasing in your sight. Forgive us when we falter, Father. Watch over us in all that we do. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a reason behind it. If you want to know, you can ask me later. But I, every time that uh, Jerry leads number 940, Beautiful Star of Bethlehem, I am eternally grateful for his leading that song. For you, you would be eternally grateful for the knowing that if he doesn't lead it, I'm asked to lead it. And I do not. But I had promised one that I would if I couldn't find someone to help me. So I've got one to help me. And so that helps out. So there may be a day when I will indeed do that for him. What we did... Earlier this morning, gathering around this table, is it just one of the acts of worship that we go through? Do we ever really catch a glimpse? Of what we've done and the why we've done it. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, is writing to cause them to rethink what they were doing. There were those who had abused the practice, there were those that were described. Being weak and sick, and some in essence were spiritually asleep because they had forgotten. How do you describe unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine? And catch what that represents. It is so easy, and down through time, man has always had to face it and deal with it, letting it become a commonplace, if you will, to forget the significance that is involved individually and collectively as the body of Christ. And how sometimes it's even difficult for us to understand that this fleshly body that we dwell in is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That the soul that dwells within this body has been redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. We read, as was read this morning, out of Luke. Matthew and Mark deal with the Lord's Supper as well. Paul and writing to the Corinthians deal with it. But to try to understand its significance, its importance, and even the fact of our gathering together as we have this morning. To worship? Do we understand the depths of what we're asked to do? Do we understand the significance of what is involved in what we're doing? It's not just a gathering of physical people together to spend an hour in going through the acts of worship. Feeling that we've met that obligation and then we're free to go our way and do what we wish for the rest of the week? Do we catch what we do and what we've done? To go back and to reread Matthew, Mark, and Luke and their account of what Jesus was doing. And of the disciples not fully understanding what was being done. The difficulty that they had in getting to wrestle with but as they had partaken of the Passover meal not to have fully comprehended that that would be the last passover meal that those who would be true followers of God would do there would be a new reminder <coughs> of the blood that would save not being the blood of the lamb but being the blood of the perfect lamb that of Jesus Christ. The concept that what we do to remind ourselves of what he did, there is no comparison. We catch a little bit of it in the Song that we sung. If that isn't love. If that isn't love, what he did for us. And what's the purpose of our here, being here? If that is the purpose for our being here, is what he did on that cross, or going to that cross, the shedding of his blood the making the atonement for our sins, the arising and the taking of blood as the perfect sacrifice to the Father, to usher in this new relationship that was not going to be based upon the physical. The place of worship would not be a temple in Jerusalem, The sacrifice would not be the (coughs) physical blood of a lamb, but it would be spiritual. All the depths of the Father's love for us. And how often we can, if not careful, simply regulate it or place it as one of the five acts of worship that we go through. Is that all that it is? Is any of what we call the five acts of worship, is any of them just simply an act, a procedure to go through, and then the obligation is met? The thought has always been from God. Matthew 22, verses 37 and following. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God with the whole heart the disciples, as Steve brought out in the reading. One of them was going to betray Jesus that night. They had partaken of the Passover meal. They had partaken of this new institution of the Lord's Supper. And yet there was one. who would totally disregard that. Any meaning that stood with it. And for a few pieces of silver would betray the Son of God. And each one had to ask, think about that. Each one of the disciples had to ask the question, is it I? Am I the one who's going to do this? How could that be the case? How could one who had been with the Lord for three, three and a half years, how could the one who had been given the miraculous powers of Healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. How could one of those who would walk with the Lord, listen to his teaching, be willing to deny all and to follow him? How could there be one who would forget? And for this world, Lose eternal life. Not only did he lose eternal life, he lost his life. You're going to lose the physical life. Anytime we deny God for something in the physical realm, we lose him. And that reminder is given to us, and it's hard again for us to, as we break this unleavened bread. For even in the imagination of man's mind, to picture the Son of God on a cruel cross. We've glorified him. We catch a little bit in the song we sometimes sing the old rugged cross. It's not the cross, it's what took place on the cross. But on that old I get cross, hum, the Son of God. Because he loves you. And he loves you. Because he desires you to be right with him and with the Father. And to have that home in heaven eternally one day. How do we get catch all of that? in that few brief moments when we break a piece of unleavened bread and eat it. Does our mind go back and really think about that sacrifice, that agony? It's hard to even comprehend that cry from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it's that latter part that changes the whole meaning, doesn't it? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he died. He died for you. Not for those big, not just for those big sins, rebellion, whatever else we might want to categorize in that, in that way. But he died for every sin. The little white lie. The neglect. The thinking of worldly things. being influenced by them, that he died for every sin that we've committed. Do we do or are we guilty or is it possible for us to do with the memorial feast what we've done physically with what we call this holiday that we're celebrating? It's interesting to watch the news, to hear them talk about the Memorial Day weekend. And the first things they want to talk about is the lakes that are closed, so you cannot go boating. And oh, by the way, somewhere down in there we're going to Remember those who gave their lives for our country. So we really do not do it on Memorial Day, do we? We've made it a three-day weekend so that we can enjoy ourselves, the beginning of the summer season. So the true Memorial day we don't even do or remember. And we do that with the Lord's Supper. Oh, you know, as long as I partake of it, as long as I eat a little bit of cracker and drink a little bit of juice, I'm okay. It doesn't matter where I'm at, I'm okay. I'm on. Paul was telling the Corinthians, when you gather together, we represent the Lord's body. When you gather together, when you come together to worship God when you come together to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, when you come together to praise his holy name, when you come together to give generously as the Lord has blessed you bountifully, when you come together to hear God's word, Are they all just individual acts that as long as we've gone through those motions, we've, we've served God? This is a memorial given by the Lord himself. Paul says, What I receive from the Lord, this is what I'm delivering unto you. This is how God, the Son of God, this is how they have chosen for us to remember him. Well, I can remember him here, I can remember him there, I can do this, I can do that. No, this is what the Lord has said. When you come together, here is what you do in remembrance of what Christ has done. To remember his death. Why? What made it possible? Why did it happen? What was the purpose of it? To hear that promise. You do this. Until I come again. You remember his death, the past. You partake of it now. And you remember until he comes again, so again, the past, the present and the future, all involved in this act. I'm not just the Lord's Supper, but of our gathering together as we have this morning. It's not just the formality, It's just not the tradition, the time that we've set apart is that thought that for a few moments we are able to gather into the presence of God Almighty to honestly think about the sacrifice of His Son, the cost that was involved in that sacrifice. And for us to be able to do that as brothers and sisters in Christ with an anticipation That one day, one day he's coming for his people. The day is never specified for us. The father knows. What would we miss? We're not prepared for when he does come. What will we miss if we have not taken the time? Do this in remembrance of me, says Jesus. This is my body that is broken for you. And this is my blood that was shed for you. Any way to comprehend the shedding of the blood of the Son of God for you as an individual. We make it convenient for us, but there's no indication that it was convenient for the Father or for the Son. If we're not careful, it becomes a part of our life. We partake in it. We'll have an invitation. We'll have a closing song. We'll disappear. Some of us will come back this evening. A few more come back Wednesday night. That's just part of life that we have. Or is it life? This is what gives purpose to life. The physical has no purpose, if you will. We're going to live, we're going to die. But that soul that's been created in the image of God will live eternally. And the sobering fact is that we, we determine where that eternity will be. Will it be with God? Or will it be with Satan? Here's a reminder of a choice that we're able to make. And as forgetful as we are, we do this each first day of the week. and the forgetful as we are, we need to be reminded why. Why we've gathered around this table. And may what he has done touch the soul enough to turn the light, the life, to where it needs to be. He gave his all that we might live. But that choice is ours to make. To decide whether we believe that Jesus is the Christ, that son of the living God. That we're willing to confess that he is the Savior, the only Savior for mankind. That because of our sins he died and because of that we are willing to repent, to turn from those sins. That we're willing to confess that he is the Savior. That we want to have those sins remitted or forgiven by being immersed in baptism for the remission of those sins. So that we may be raised to walk this new life, a child of the living God. We still live in the flesh. But spiritually, we are a child of God. And as that child of God, may our love and our commitment grow deeper and deeper as the days go by. If your life is not where it needs to be, if there's a need for you to make a change in your life, If there's any way that we could assist you, if we could help you in that decision, then indeed we would bid you to come as together we stand and sing.